This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's a lovely chip! Oh, it's a brilliant goal from Lord Bohedon! Still it's not away. Southgate shot. Milosevic scores. To do with a bit of magic from him, maybe this is it. It is Andy Sinton from nothing. Brian Roy has headed for his interlead. Whelan, oh, what a goal from Noah Whelan! No power on it whatsoever, but Taibi has made a horrendous error. Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes, oh, Hello and welcome to Quickly Kevin, Will He Score? The 90s Football Show. It's episode four. I'm Chris Skoll. Joining me in the studio is Josh Whittacombe. Hello. And also our director of podcast, Mr. Michael Marden. Hello. Well, Merson we last week, Miles Jacobson this week. It's this is our first weekly it? episode. Oh, yeah. Very exciting. If you like Football Manager, it's absolutely amazing. If you don't like Football Manager, you'll still enjoy it. There's one bit of correspondence I haven't read out, which I should say now is from an American who says he knows nothing about football, but is a fan of Ellis James. And he listened to the 90s football podcast and loved it. And he's going to listen to all of them to learn about 90s football. (laughs) (laughs) Disregard the rest of football history. (laughs) But I love the idea of one guy in America in two years will be an expert in 90s football. You say expert. His mind was blown by Ali Dyer because he'd never heard it before. <laughs> so if you don't like football yeah. manager, that's what this will be well, like. My, my girlfriend said that she enjoyed the Bobby Good episode because she said, essentially, it's a story about a man being bad at his job. Yes. That's quite accessible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, should we just get on with it? Yes. It's time for the electronic post bag. You've got mail. 
Let's rustle that sack and see what okay, lies with him. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Well, it's the classic of bumping into 90s footballers. I mean, this is a staple this is, now. This is up there with Torsved in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> Good afternoon. This is from uh, a fellow Josh from Exeter. A friend of mine from Norwich was on a school trip to Carrow Road. They were told to leave their bags in the changing rooms. My friend left his drifter chocolate bar on top of his bag and went on the tour. As they made their way back for lunch... Efna Koku came walking down the hall munching on a drifter. <laughs> Efna Koku is a drifter thief. <laughs> wow. Isn't that unbelievable? Oh an accusation. We have said actually on this, off the record, that we shouldn't be putting out things that are libelous. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if Efna Koku, if you're listening, yeah, alleged. Give you, give it's you right alleged. Yeah, you can come on Efna and defend yourselves. <laughs> Do you know what I like as well? In that, a couple of episodes ago, we had a Colin Cooper buying wheat crunchies. Oh, yeah, now Efna Koku stealing drifters. Fo- 90s footballers in a matrix with 90s confectionery. <laughs> yeah. That is, have you ever seen a 90s footballer eating a wham? <laughs> this is what we want to know. Exactly. Paul Parker eating some dweebs. <laughs> <laughs> um, this person, uh, Josh Mexter, also has our first entry into uh, what we uh, started last week, which was um, 90s footballers that have now got different trades. <laughs> the Phil Thompson Directory. Hello, I'm Phil Thompson. I know all about your neighbourhood. It's all in your Phil Thompson local directory. Need a plumber? Ask Phil Thompson. In your Phil Thompson local directory, nothing's more than a few miles away. So, for the local answer, ask Phil Thompson. That was lovely, wasn't that was it? Lovely. Nice. How long does that take you, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> you can inspect the Phil Thompson directory on our website at quicklykevin.com forward slash Phil Thompson directory. And it begins, my driving instructor was ex-Plymouth Argyle centre-back Adrian Burrows. <laughs> <laughs> the Phil Thompson directory, everyone. <laughs> back next week. Entry one. <laughs> Entry one, back next week. <laughs> Imagine, do you think you could source all the businesses you ever need just for 90s footballers? (laughs) I have one doing your kitchen, one teaching you to drive. What you don't want to do is them cross over and they realise what you're doing. (laughs) Oh, they've got beef, they've fallen out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Peter Schmeichel and Ian Wright. (laughs) Hey guys, Uh, for my 13th birthday I was treated to a trip to Warrington Laser Maze with my friends. (laughs) Where upon arrival it was discovered we would be fighting against three other players. Graham Souness and his two sons. <laughs> oh my God, God, can you imagine? I wouldn't fancy your chances. He'd pistol whip you. Get out of the laser maze. This was in August 1992, not long after Souness had his triple heart bypass operation. I didn't like that when I was younger, because my hair's a lot blonder when you're younger, if you're blonde. Um, it used to glow in the laser quest, making me a target. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, sorry. As a fervent Everton fan, even at 13 years old, the chance to take down Graham Sourpuss was almost too much to bear. Although, despite wandering around aimlessly in the dark for 30 minutes, chuntering about Souness and Liverpool going down, I failed to land even one shot on him. <laughs> Cheers, Pete. Can you imagine if Souness had grabbed a flag and just planted it in the middle of the laser base? <laughs> and all the lights come on, return to Energizer. <laughs> Wow. What a story. That is a great story, isn't it? Okay, do you want another one? Yes. Hi, guys. I was in Paris on a family holiday in 1999. I can't remember why, but my mum and dad went off with my younger brother to do one thing. I went with my nan and granddad to do something else. We went off the beaten track, and halfway through at the restaurant, heard an escalating argument that resulted in the woman slapping the bloke which she was with and walking out. It was at that point I realised he was rude Hullet. <laughs> <laughs> 
you don't see a slap enough these days. No one gets slapped slap. in real life. When was the last time you actually saw a woman slap a man that wasn't in a soap <sighs> opera? Good addendum. This is from Steve Moore. Um, also, as a Luton fan in the mid-90s, we were sponsored by Universal Salvage Auctions. I distinctly remember at least one kit that where it's shortened to the USA in red, white, and blue. Make it look to me like we were sponsored by the USA. <laughs> the USA going, we need to really up our profile in the UK. <laughs> the mob produced most bang for our buck. Yeah, loot and town. <laughs> one final one? Yeah. This is from Tim Luxford. In the 90s, I was working in the audio and TV department of the local John Lewis in Welling Garden City. One Saturday afternoon in summer, a couple came in to purchase a TV. They caused quite a stir as the male was clearly Paul Gascoigne. <laughs> I approached them and asked if they wanted any help. Gazza remained silent while his wife, Cheryl, asked a number of questions about the benefit of widescreen over the standard 4.3 TV. <laughs> At this point, Gazza was clearly bored and wandered off out of the department, leaving Cheryl to complete the transaction. <laughs> quite boring, you might think. However, here's the twist. It must have been a positive experience for him, as the following week, Les Ferdinand and Steve Sedgley came <laughs> into my TVs independently, although I served neither of them. Word got around. <laughs> that new TV gather. He said on John Lewis in Wedding Garden City. <laughs> Why is Where is Wedding Garden City? Is that, is that near where all the footballers live? Yeah. So that is yeah. where all the footballers live yeah. play for Spurs. There's another one on that. Very similar. We've got to just touch on this. Rich Williams. Um, I was in Dixon's in Manchester during Euro 96. Dixon's. Mm. And I thought, I recognise that guy in the blue tracksuit with the grey hair. And him. And him. It was the whole Italy squad. <laughs> <laughs> Maldini, Donadoni, Ravanelli, the lot. No way. <laughs> Killing time in Dixon's. I legged it next door to Sports Pages Bookshop, bought a Wrexham fan scene, then went back and got them to sign it. I think it was the only time Alexandra Del Piero signed a picture of Steve Watkin. <laughs> <laughs> Unless your listeners know differently. That's a no. <laughs> Thank you very much, everyone. That's the emails. Um... Do we have anything on Twitter? Well, just on that note of, of getting the Italian squad to sign a Wrexham fanzine, we, we, we asked a couple of weeks ago for weird things you've had signed by a 90s footballer, and Neil Harris got in touch on Twitter. Millwall manager? No, sadly not. <laughs> uh, he got in touch to say that he accepted strictly not 90s, but he has got Alan Shearer's signature on his wireless router box. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's the box it came in. Oh, the box it came in, not the actual wireless, wireless router. router. <laughs> so, wow. Because the actual router would have been better. So yeah. I like the fact it's the cardboard box. Well, talking of Shearer signing weird objects, this, this one came in on Facebook, this message from Elise in London, who said, uh, my dad is an avid Newcastle supporter. And when I first started playing violin, he used to dress me up in the full Newcastle kit and I'd put on concerts for the family. Each time we'd go up north, we would always visit the ground and watch the players practice. And afterwards, sometimes you could meet the team. I was convinced they'd want to hear me play in my kit. Oh, no. Oh, no. So took out my oh, violin. Oh, no, 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 no. Despite cornering him after training and getting my violin out ready to impress... Alan Shearer sadly declined to hear me oh, play, Alan. <laughs> but offered oh. to sign it, which I happily accepted. My dad was very proud, and I now own a violin signed wow. by Alan Shearer. That's lovely, isn't it? Um, I think that'll do, won't it? Lovely stuff. If you've got anything else you wish to contribute, you can do so at hello at quicklykevin.com. As always, we should say thank you for all the correspondence. We get so much, and it's so good. Okay, then, it's time now to hear from a man on whose creation many of us have lost many hours of our life. One of the worst constructed sentences <laughs> I've ever <laughs> no, heard no. in my life. Do, do that again. <laughs> now... Here we are. The public face of football and championship manager and probably the biggest Watford fan I've ever met, Miles Jacobson, OBE. 
Hello and welcome to Quickly Kevin, Will He Score, the 90s football show to Miles Jacobson, OBE. So Miles, I mean, not only have you changed the world, you've created a new one that millions of people actually prefer to their own lives. That is quite an achievement. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> what else can I, I say? Yeah, that's, that? not, that's not really a question. Yeah. Really, it's, it's yeah. like, have I? <laughs> um, the whole point of what we do with the game is to help people escape their normal lives. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, we, we all sit there in the pub after games, analysing them and talking about what we'd have done differently. So we just try and give you a chance to prove that you know nothing. And do you play? You, I've heard you only play as Watford. Uh, I always start as Watford. Oh, so, okay. do you? Okay. So the way the way that I play is during during the development phase, yeah. developing the game, I'll try out lots of different teams and lots of different leagues. But when the game comes out, I start a game the same time. Do you? Isn't that a bit busman's holiday? I love it. So <laughs> yeah, I couldn't do what I do if I didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I didn't play it as well, because if if you're directing a game, yeah. you kind of have to play it yeah, to know yeah. what you like and what you don't like. Um, before we get too heavily into champ, I wanted to talk a bit about Graham Taylor. Cause I think you said he's one of the most influential people in your lives, and obviously he looms large over '90s football. I, I would not be doing the job that I do now without Graham Taylor. I wasn't into football until I was seven. My dad hated football. And Graham Taylor came along and I was reading about all the stuff that was going on in the community in the, in the Watford Free Observer. Um, <laughs> and that's what started getting me interested. So I turned around to my mum and said uh, I wanted to go to a game and my mum took me to my first game of football. My mum took me to the game, sat there and did the Evening Standard crossword <laughs> and, uh, and read Women's Own um, whilst I was watching the football. But, but she was prepared to take me there because we'd built up this family club thing and my mum was a teacher locally, so I knew what the club was doing with the community. So if Graham hadn't come in and hadn't started doing that stuff, I might never have gone to a wow. game of football and we wouldn't be here now um, well I wouldn't be you we'd guys be talking to the guy from Premier Manager <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's that's what got me into football in the first place and just the things that Graham used to do I mean I, I'd saved up my pocket money to go and see us play and we were absolutely appalling we got spanked 4-1 and there was only one player who'd really tried and I sent a letter because in the days before social media if you wanted to get stroppy with someone you would send them a letter and go, I'm upset. And you got it out your system and you'd never hear from them again. Graham Taylor phoned me up at home. No. So, and this is the days before clubs had databases. Yeah. So he must have looked me up in the phone book <laughs> and phoned me up at home and asked whether he could take that letter in to the dressing room. Oh, wow. Room to show the players that they really should try harder because of what people are going through to get to games. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, and those kinds of things really stick. I heard rumours that he would take the players round to the local pubs and make them buy locals drinks. The John Barnes would rock up to like a sort of local boozer and would buy what for fans drinks. After the playoff semi-final, I think it was against Birmingham, the players were sent out to the different local pubs. And I used to drink in a pub called The Escort. And Paul Robinson and Peter Kennedy, who were the two players who were vying to be left back, both came into the pub and said, right, who wants a drink? Amazing. <laughs> and, wow. and we went, no, no, we'll buy you a drink. They're like, no, that's not how it works. Yeah. And, but yes, he absolutely used to do that. That's incredible. And, and didn't you go to a pre-season tour in Dublin and Graham Taylor approached you? Yeah, so we, we were standing outside the pub and GT just comes out, grabs 
a pint of Guinness out one of my mate's hands, which was half drunk, downed it, <laughs> and then started telling us about this guy called Stevie Brooker, who none of us had seen play before. Mm. He'd, he'd played for the youth team. How he was a little bit nervous because it was his first team debut and he needed a song. So could we write a song for him <laughs> before the game? So we got a song ready. He like said, oh, he's got a really good left foot. So I see if you can get that into the same time. <laughs> and about 15 minutes into the game, he smacked the ball from the edge of the box with his left foot and he went into the top corner and we started singing Stevie Brooker song. Didn't, didn't get heard that much more after that. He was great in Champman for a while. Coincidentally. Coincidentally. <laughs> well, because of that precision and I was so drunk I thought he was married Donald. <laughs> you were scouting, um, a bit of scouting. Yeah. Um, and, and scouting when drunk is not a good idea. <laughs> Um, oh not a good idea. So, Miles, you're a Watford fan. You're deeply involved with the club. But to rewind the clock back, 70s and 80s, the Taylor and Elton John era. I mean, that's a magnificent era. But the 90s, mid-table championship mediocrity, largely. Championship? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, so <laughs> Division one. That, those, those In old the, money. But those were the good days. Really? Yeah. And for a lot of that period, I was going home and away. And still sit occasionally because they'll they'll have a go at me if I say that I sit with them every week but I still go to football with the same people now mm. I went with then apart from when I'm in the director's box now um, <laughs> and eating prawn sandwiches before the game which I do feel guilty about um, not really because my view's quite good <laughs> I've heard actually you get Elton's seat if he's not there isn't that that's, right that's true so there's a, true? there's a plaque just in front that says these seats are for Elton and his family so he's got four seats there oh, wow. so, <laughs> would you best. trade your OBE for the Miles Jacobson stand oh you know, what a question you know what the, the, the weird thing with, with the OBE is that it, it was awesome but I don't deserve it it's not as if I save lives or anything like that but when, when I got offered it the chance of taking my mum for a day out to the palace oh, yeah. you can't you can't not yeah. do that so I'm very proud that I've got it and it's a nice medal yeah. but um, again I don't deserve a stand at Watford so you know Elton and Graham have got the stands they deserve it for everything that they've done yeah. maybe in 20 or 30 years time if I do a load more for the club then yeah, then yeah but um, it would be pretty cool and would you like a collage of your face or just On the, what in the seats in the, in the seats if you could design no one would sit there <laughs> <laughs> it'd be horrible <laughs> Shall we move on to yes. football manager? I want to start with how you ended up working with the Collier Brothers. The myth is obviously where well, you started in A&R, working for Food Records. Yep. With Blur, who are... I, I was working with Blur. I was also working with a band called Jesus Jones. Yes, who were... And Jesus Jones were very big in America mm. and were very into computer games. Yeah. So I was going around talking to various different games companies about doing a Jesus Jones game. A Jesus Jones that, computer game? That involved, <laughs> wow. that involved 8-bit versions of Jesus Jones games. <laughs> and Mike and um, Barry D, as he was known at the time, real yeah. name Ian Baker, on skateboards in a kind of platforming game. Wow. So that's what we were talking about. And the games companies were all, oh, who's this young bloke coming in wearing dodgy clothes? I think at the time I probably still had dreadlocks as well. Did you? <laughs> and, um, oh, for, wow. for, for the people listening here who might not have seen me, I'm kind of five foot six and a half. The, the half is very important. Same um, as me. I'm far too white for dreadlocks. <laughs> and, and when my hair grows out, it kind of turns into what's commonly known or what's known in America as a Jew fro. <laughs> um, which, which actually works quite well for dreads. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And yeah, so, so I was going around trying to get them a game and one of the guys one day 
turned around and said, oh, I really like Blur. Can we come and see him play? And it's like, yeah, sure. You know, I gave him a couple of tickets. So I went, oh, we'll, we'll sort you out. We know you were a fan of Championship Manager. Yeah. Do you want to be a tester on Championship Manager too? And I was like, yeah, great. <laughs> Excellent. And then they say, oh, but it's not on ST this time. It's on PC. Is that okay? And I was like, yeah, sure. That's fine. And um, the only thing I've ever bought on higher purchase was oh, a really? PC from Dixon's <laughs> to be a tester on Championship Manager So what does too. being a tester involve? Just playing the game for bugs? Back then, it, it, back then, it, back then. It, it means that you were playing a game that was broken and, <laughs> and had to give feedback on how it could be fixed. And I think the first version that I got literally would just crash after a week. There were also days before email was really course, prevalent. Yeah. So I'd fax them through bug reports and feature ideas and various other bits and bobs and lots of bits that were wrong with the Watford data because you know Watford weren't global superstars so (laughs) so there's definitely stuff wrong so did they literally just start in their as they say in their bedroom they grew up on a farm in Shropshire they hadn't discovered girls they made a computer (laughs) they started doing it when they were something like 12 or 13 Mm. Um, they made it for their mates and one of their mates suggested that they sent it down to some people in, in London, some publishers, and one of them picked it up. Wow. Um, this episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Um, because the, the, there was a lot of rival games at the time. So there's Premier Manager, Ultimate Soccer Manager. Did you play the other... Games. Yeah, I played loads of them, um, all, all the way from the spectrum. You yeah, know, really? I, I played. Do you remember the, the manager? Uh, yes, that wasn't great. No, it was awful. <laughs> um, do you remember play by mail football? <laughs> yes, Oven Paul used to do that religiously. Did that? Really? Absolutely, yeah. So that so as, for as people that don't know, you'd get sent a packet of like info on how the week had gone, and then yep. you'd fill it in and send it off. Because I, I did one called League Soccer. Okay, and um, don't want to brag, but I did win the league. <laughs> 
Congratulations. Did, did, you, <laughs> did you win the league against yourself or what? No, 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 against other yourself? people. But it was constantly changing. Because what you for transfers, you'd have to phone their actual house. You had to phone them. So you'd uh, phone. See, phoning, that's far too modern. Oh, right, okay. I used to have yeah. to mail Yeah, I mailed it as well. But I know, but we'd mail the transfers in, but then I'd phone up people to negotiate. So I'd have to right, phone okay. up the guy's house, speak to his parents and go, Hi, is the manager of Wimbledon <laughs> from League Soccer over there? And they go, I don't know what you're talking about. Excellent. I was just purely male. I never phoned anyone up. But Ov and Paul were quite obsessed, and it was very, very influential. Was I, it? I did the male one as well, and, I, and you had to tick boxes and say, select your teams the next few weeks and post it out, and then you'd get the match reports back. But was it accurate, or was it all a sham? Was everyone getting the same match reports? It was mainly people rolling a dice. Really? And then looking up in a book what, 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 what the outcome was. It's, it's not still it's going, presumably, is it? No, well, oddly enough, I used to do play by email as well. Oh, did you? Yeah, there, was, there was a thing called WSL, the World Soccer Leagues. In about 95, they mm. did play by email. I used to email someone called Roger. <laughs> and Roger would email me back. Not even so, a match report, I'd just get a score. <laughs> Are we, are we paying Roger for this? Yeah, I think there was a monthly subscription cost. Oh, it, was, yeah. it was great, it was so high tech. Because you really? can email and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I came the closest to knowing, I've never talked about this before, well, not this big thing. Um, <laughs> so when I, we were doing league soccer, so it was me and a few mates, then we were playing other people, and then there was a competition where if you designed the ground for your team, which was, it was just like an art competition, yeah. you got to go the winners would get to go and see the headquarters of League Soccer. So we designed the ground and we won. What? Um, but then they were like, you've got to pay for your own train to Stockport. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> you, you were the only person playing. <laughs> and, and just be, I, I hope you didn't go. No, I didn't, no, because, I couldn't afford the train to Stockport. Because, you know, who knows who would have been okay. behind <laughs> yeah, the yeah, no, no, I just realised I was in, almost in, caught in, in, a... in those In those days, oh my God. That was so close. I think there's a yeah. scandal here. Yeah. <laughs> um, what about Sabutio? Did you ever play Sabutio? Uh, I did, but um, the original football manager on the Spectrum, you know, that's where it first started yeah. for me. And Kevin Toms, who made that game, also made a game called Software Star, where you could run a software studio. Oh, and wow. Who knew? <laughs> that, <laughs> so niche. Who knew what would end up happening? It's more niche in this um, podcast. So, yeah, I'd, I'd been playing the games all the way through. Any football game that came out, yeah. I played. What's the worst management game you've ever played or back in the day okay so if I was to ask you who was the worst comedian you'd ever seen and it was someone who was still on the circuit would you yeah. answer that question yes okay. <laughs> that's so not fair no I wouldn't have called so I will I will say will I will yeah. I will um, it was an FA Cup game yeah. called FA Cup um, that was made by Virgin that was 80s not 90s right. but you said the worst one I ever played that was yeah. the worst one I ever yeah. played were you playing them thinking that'd work on our game um, well this is all mainly before I was working oh, on, okay. on our game so the thing that Ovin Paul came up with that was absolutely unique at the time and still is really now is they created a whole football universe yeah. So with a lot of the other games that were around in those days, it was about your team and your results, and they do dice rolls for the other team's results. Yeah. They didn't actually have squads. They yeah. just have numbers that were there to make up their overall stats. Yeah. The transfer markets were made up. What Ovin Paul wanted to do was have a game where it, the computer actually didn't care whether you were managing the team or whether 
yeah artificial intelligence was managing the team that and the match engine which even when you could only see text yeah. was still realistic Paul even in those days before you could get stats was yeah. still looking at football matches and going we've got too many shots in the game that's, that's right, crazy because yeah. this is how many shots there were in real life I vividly remember being at Argyle when I was a teenager and you know how obviously when you're watching Championship Manager you're seeing the text and you're converting it into how you imagine the game yep I was watching Argyle and I was converting it into the text of Championship <laughs> Manager in my head. It's crazy. I was imagining it was like, you know, Chris Billy runs down the wing. Yeah, no. So we've yeah. actually got pretty good links with Argyle now because yeah. um, Matt, who is the data analyst at Argyle, yeah. was our Plymouth researcher. Oh, really? That's how he ended up getting the job there. Oh, wow. So, and that, that happens at quite a few clubs. And the, the Cowley brothers at Lincoln, they were asked, you know, what did you do when you were growing up? Because they, they weren't, playing mm. football or anything it's like oh you know we used to play a lot of championship manager and um, Danny then said oh, I was around at my mum's the other day I reminded her that all the way through our schooling she used to turn around to me and my brother and tell us to get off that stupid game <laughs> and go and do your homework and my brother turned around to her when we got through in the cup and said see mum that was homework <laughs> and so it's quite weird now seeing yeah. these people yeah coming through um, I, Andre Velash boas was the first person yeah. who, who admitted that he used it when he was Mourinho's chief scout at Chelsea he said he used to use the data back then but now there's so many people in football who've grown up playing it mm. and who've learnt about tactics from it and learnt about players from it and learnt that you can get signings wrong as well as getting them right <laughs> Cherno Samba Freddie Adu yeah. um, <laughs> but you know Ovan Paul just had this dream of creating this football universe and they succeeded and when you came on board, like, what was the operation like? Because obviously now it's this huge, highly tuned machine. There were five of us. Five of really? us. What, so what were the jobs? Um, Oven Paul. Yeah. There were two other programmers, and um, there was a guy who would help out with with research. Who's now our head of research and translation, and he was one of Oven Paul's school friends. Then one of the other guys in the band used to do the sound effects. <laughs> Um, a, guy, a, guy, a guy called Gress and then I came on initially basically we sat in the pub and they showed me their contract and said you're used to ripping bands off for a living we think we might have been ripped off and I looked at it and went that's the worst contract I've ever seen in my life. Um, and went in and, and renegotiated it for them I think it had been done by a property lawyer in Shropshire um, so I started off basically like bands have managers and, and yeah. you know I started off doing that just because they were my mates yeah. and it just got busier and busier and busier until I went full time and did you now, get any now kudos? there's 140 I think wow. did you get any kudos in the music industry for oh, being no. involved no 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 <laughs> oh, no. Oh, what, what are you doing that for um, you kind of you had to keep it quiet well like rewinding the clock 25 years four managers come a long way but those early days you, now you've got a worldwide network of scouts how on earth did you scout players in the early days was it a random how did you thing? trust people as well that weren't lying about their team fanzines really what would so you do? We, oh. we used to go to fanzine writers and mm. ask them because the thing is when you're writing a fanzine if you are too biased towards your team no one buys it Right. If you're too negative towards your team, no one buys it. So fanzine writers tend to be quite honest yeah. about it. But we got in touch with a bunch of fanzine writers who would either post in 
stats or, or fax them through to us. And the reason, the, the time that we realised that we were onto something was, I mean, it was a few years later, but, mm. w- but we knew how important that had been when Danny Murphy and Neil Lennon in crew reserves actually became as good in real life as we had them in the game. You know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but you're sitting there and going, the first time people heard about them... Yeah, that was the first time I heard about them. ...was through our game. That's quite powerful. And and with the ones that... There's obviously the classic ones that are famous through the game, but not... So when, for instance, Ibrahim Bakayoko signed for Everton... How much are you going, he needs to be great? <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I was utterly convinced that he was great. Yeah. Did um, you ever watch him personally? I didn't, I no. No? No. I, I hadn't seen him before they signed him. Um, <laughs> I, I, hadn't, I hadn't even seen a video How of him could... before he signed him, and I don't think Everton had either. I remember um, saying to people at school, this guy is going to be amazing. At, at least with Freddie Adu, we'd seen videos, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And with, with Cherno Samba, I'd seen him play, and that kid at 16 years old was incredible. Well, yeah. His record um, was obscene at youth level. He's yeah. just released a book about why he didn't make it as a footballer. Who's this Cherno Samba? Yeah. Yeah. Does he, he cite championship manager as too much pressure? No. Um, <laughs> but he, he fucked it up. He, 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 he thought he was he thought he was something he wasn't he thought he could handle it yeah and he couldn't handle really? it at all um we actually got him he was in our tv ad last year um, oh really yeah we just had a line in the tv ad and uh if you're in the pub quiz and you know who chernos amber is and just this bloke looks up from the pool table and goes yeah <laughs> that was chernos amber <laughs> yes. um, we've got on that i'm gonna do a quiz okay four players well three because one of them we've discussed can, can i just uh, i tried to remove these from my brain <laughs> okay. so if i do badly because for, ev- for everyone else they're cult heroes yeah. for me yeah. they're data heroes. <laughs> okay but, but let's let's so, let's see which so I what i'm get. gonna give you is i'm gonna give you four descriptions of players okay and i want you to name them mm-hmm Norwegian, midfielder, left centre, club, Starback. Alex Farnerud? No. <laughs> okay. I can tell you he's got a double-barreled surname. Championship Ranger 97, 98. No, you've stumped me. That's Tommy Swindle last. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> it's, that's Ian McIntosh's favourite pair of all time. <laughs> How can I not have him? Okay, 97, 98. Go on to the player search. Who is the, the most expensive player in the world? I don't this remember thing. last week. <laughs> you don't. I, I just I, want to clip this. He played for Real Betis. I'll give you another clue. So I would never have bought him for Watford. <laughs> give you another clue. I'd never heard of him until we looked at it yesterday. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Perez Munez Alfonso. No, never heard of him. No. <laughs> Next. Final one. Swedish. Defender, stroke midfielder, stroke forward. Left, right, centre. Come on. This is. This is. No, sorry. It's all right, don't worry. Nicholas Alexanderson, of course. <laughs> but you don't have Alexander Farnerud on there. No. <laughs> he was my favourite data error ever. Uh, what's, what's that one? Uh, you could pick him up for 30 grand in the game and he just became an absolute beast. He could play on either wing <laughs> oh, really? as well, yeah. So, so how do they happen, those data errors? Human error? Is it sort of are the rogue programmers? Yeah, no, it's not rogue programmers. It's um, people will watch the players and will think that they're going to be something special. But, right. but back in the championship manager days, the way our stats work, I'm going to get really boring now. No. I hope you're enjoying this This is what podcast this podcast is yeah. all about. <laughs> yeah. So current ability and potential ability are between 1 and 200. Mm. Yeah. Where 200 is... Messi at his peak yeah, yeah. 200's actually Pele so no one else has got to 200 and then 
in those days we used to have minus one and minus two for potential yeah and minus one was going to make it as a footballer and number two was was going to be an international world-class footballer and minus two basically meant that they were going to end up with potential ability of 180 or above right but we had lots of players as minus twos because yeah. it was well they're going to be international footballers this is all fine so we'll make them minus twos Nowadays, we have between minus one and minus 10, and it actually goes minus one, minus 1.5, minus two, minus 2.5. So the possibility of someone getting a minus 10 now, I think Anthony Marshall was a minus 9.5 when we when we first wow. saw him. You messed that one up. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I, think, I think he's doing all right. <laughs> Just think how much money Manchester United could have saved <laughs> yeah. if, if they bought him before Monaco did. Um, so it's now incredibly rare for there to be a minus 10. So the idea of data errors happening now, it's, it's a lot harder for something like that to happen yeah. than it was mm. then. But... I think one of the reasons that we ended up changing it is because I made a player at Watford called Anthony McNamee a minus two um, and he was a he was a left winger and he was a great footballer and if it wasn't for the fact that he had asthma I'm sure he would have played for England <laughs> um, asthma 20 that's what I'm playing <laughs> you, you have the same yeah issue. I've got the same yeah. issue I was a minus two until the asthma kicked in <laughs> there you in. go if you get ever a scout report coming now saying this player is amazing do you ever go I'm going to go have to check this out yes yeah, really? so we have lots and lots of checks and balances. So the data comes in. I mean, it's not a case of we read each individual report mm. because we've got 650,000 yeah. players and staff that we're now rating around mm. the world with 1,300 researchers. It comes through, and then we run the database through lots of checks and balances, and it spits out anomalies. Okay. And then with the anomalies, we go back and question. And if after questioning, they're still saying yes, we'll then go and watch them ourselves. And I think we've actually been a little bit too harsh sometimes because we've seen the rise of the non-league player start happening with, you know, not just with Fardy, but with the kid who's just joined Arsenal and, you know, Troy Deeney to some extent who came in quite late. Mm. Those are players that we would not have rated accurately when they were playing for Walsall Mm. or, or when they were playing for Fleetwood. We wouldn't have got their potential right so we're thinking about that at the moment and, and how we let a little bit more leeway happen. Because yeah. it's such a realistic universe, but he could never have predicted, for example, David Unsworth's wife not realising that Aston Villa was nowhere near Liverpool and, yep. then, and then cancelling the transfer for a couple of months. you have personality kind of yeah. to the... Well, or does that then get into an area where it's scurrilously... The, the new gens have more personality than, right, the, yeah, uh, yeah. than the real players. Yeah. And there are some personalities behind the scenes with the real players that you might not see displayed on screen. Right, okay. Um, and chairmen no longer have data because of uh, a complaint from a chairman of a big club at the time whose nephew had had the mickey taken out of him in the playground <laughs> at school because his uncle's business rating was three out of 20. <laughs> So from that day on, we weren't allowed to put chairman ratings in there. Um, this is a weird question, but in the, Chris found in the original or in Championship Manager Two, yeah. Ray Houghton is listed as a football advisor. Yeah. Uh, that that wouldn't mean Champman Two. Oh, that was know. that was Champman Four. Okay, he came on. Was he the first football person to get involved with the making of the game? Actually, getting involved with the making of the game, yes. People had started looking at our data and started taking it seriously. A few people in football, very few people in football, 
Ray was one of those and he was assistant manager at Crystal Palace and he would phone me up and go we need a left back we've got no money and it, it was it was actually it was actually a bit like a Bonnie Tyler song because he, he had to be strong he had to be fast he had to be he had to be fresh from the fog um, so I would again fax Ray because Ray didn't have a, a phone or an email or an email address so I would fax through to the club a list of 10 Hungarian left backs <laughs> that they'd go and have a look at when he got the boot from Palace I got a number for him gave him a call and said look, you know if you're not going straight into a job we could really do with someone coming in and looking at our 2D match engine and telling us when players are out of position so it might have been it might have been 0102 was his first one but he definitely worked on, on Chapman 4 and he would come in and, and sit there and go that player is two pixels out of position at that throw-in. They'd, they'd, they'd never do that. Wow. And we'd, we'd sit there and listen. And um, me and him actually co-designed the training system in CM4, which is by far and away the most accurate training system we've ever had. But it was so bad. Um, uh, like, I refused to use it. You, you, had to, you had to choose every 15 minutes what people were going to do. Are we going to do piggy in the middle <laughs> are we gonna are we gonna go for sprints so he tried to do this ultra realistic training yeah. system and no one liked it because <laughs> um, yeah. we got 10 out of 10 reviews for a game that was a buggy mess yeah. because idos had basically gone around and told everyone all the bugs are going to be fixed don't worry about it when we were going we need another six months was that the one when Northwood victoria had a capacity to their ground of 850,000? yeah there were <laughs> There were a few issues like that. We, we game, wanted to know, was enough. the ground like a, a bowl style or was it multiple tiers? It was a country. So <laughs> <laughs> um, talk to well about those early editions. The thing I love was like the big cereal box sized like packaging. What was the deal with the mitre balls as well? Was there a little sponsorship there? Did you get a free ball for the office? They would give us a ball to put on the cover <laughs> and we wouldn't get sued. It was as simple as that. Everyone else would sue you. Yeah. So yeah, so really? we, we had Mitre for a while. Then we switched to Umbro because oh, we wow. had a deal with Umbro. Um, we actually used to sell Championship Manager kits that were Umbro kits. And oh, yeah, there was like merch, wasn't there? So AFC Wimbledon's first ever match, yeah. they were wearing our office five-a-side kit <laughs> because their own kit hadn't turned up. So they were wearing Umbro Championship Manager oh, wow. shirts. Oh, wow. Didn't you get a kit made, Michael? It's a classic regen thing where I, I fell in love with my regen player so much I had his name put on the back of the uh, gold gold Manchester United away kit. I'm disappointed he didn't get it too. <laughs> it'd be so cool if someone just did a number nine and then a player yeah. two on their back. It's just one of those things. I'm I'm amazed that there hasn't been a story yet from a stag party. Where, yeah. someone, where someone's got the stag so drunk that, that they've managed to get that. Maybe that's a challenge. No, yeah. it's really not. It's not a challenge. It's thrown down the gauntlet. No. <laughs> it's not a challenge. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. 
Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, slipping people into the game, the Collier brothers had themselves on the game. Yeah, but they had them on as the rubbish players that even the worst clubs wouldn't sign. No, they they didn't have themselves on there as rubbish players. They put themselves in there as good players. Oh really? Oh, really? I changed them into oh, being rubbish players. <laughs> good, good, good. So, so how good were they when they put themselves in there? Oh, there, there were a few people in the team that put themselves as being in as really good. Well, just make, like Stankily. Yeah, and and I made them realistic. So I was never in as a player. I was in as a scout and a coach called Miles Bloke <laughs> um, in, in the times that I didn't really use my surname very much. Um, so yeah, you could pick me up. I was a half-decent scout. Um, but yeah, there were, there were a few people in there at the time who, uh, who were worth signing. The guys from Domark were always worth signing. Yeah, yeah. was that Mark Collis yes. and Ferrara Roscoe? I yeah. remember me and my mate used to flip a coin over who would get who <laughs> when we started a new game. But yeah, to be fair, I mean, Paul was never the best footballer um, of rated himself. And he was, he was quite good as a striker, mm. but not as good as he made out in the game. He's also the most annoying person to ever play Pro Evolution Soccer against, or ISS as it was back in the day. Because yeah. he'd go one up and then he'd spend the rest of the game just passing the ball amongst his defenders uh. as you're just running around. Oh, no. he, programmers tend to find the bugs in <laughs> games. The amount of control pads that got smashed against walls when playing, <laughs> when playing pairs against off. Um, you've said that some players have called up to haggle about their stats I wondered who was the first do you remember the first call you ever got from a player the first one that I can remember were Danny Webber and Bojan Djordjic when they were at Man United <laughs> right. yeah. and Danny was actually honest about it and he went look he's a better dribbler than me but I'm faster than him <laughs> and he got it wrong in the game and we've just been racing each other to, t- <laughs> to test this out so we actually we actually switched those ones around and sometimes people don't realise with the stats as well having one great long shot in a game or scoring two great free kicks in a season does not give you 20 for either stat okay 20 for free kicks means that all of your free kicks are going to go on target they might be saved they might hit the post but 20 for free kicks means that you are consistently good at doing something. Yeah. 20 for long shots means you're consistently good at something. We've all scored a worldie. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I've scored a worldie when I wasn't even trying. Yeah. I thought I was passing the ball onto the wing and it went flying into the top corner. We've all done it. That doesn't yeah. mean we get 20 for those ratings. So have you, apart from Cherno Sam for the advert, have you met any of the players that were kind of primarily famous as championship manager we have met Tonton Zona Makuku but I didn't <laughs> right I don't want we- to meet them <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to meet your mistakes in life so no so I've, if we I've, brought I've, Ibrahima Bakayoko in now <laughs> you wouldn't recognise him <laughs> I wouldn't recognise him I'd also run away from him. <laughs> not with his pace he was, <laughs> he was huge um, the players aren't the worst the agents are the worst 
Really? The agents want you to boost stats because so many clubs use the data oh, really? now yeah. that if they're good in the game, they're going to get more scouts going to look at them and they can command. Uh, so has an agent ever underhand offer to improve? Yes, I'm unbribable. So. <laughs> so do you remember on Ultimate Soccer Manager you could bribe? Do you wish you could do Could you do that? No. Yeah. We've never wanted to add that side of things in yeah. the game. We don't have betting in the game we don't yeah. have the sun in the game we try and keep the bad things about football <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Easter eggs big fan of a few you've done remember the England one where you could be England manager if you typed in Glenn Hoddle is there any personal favourites of yours or is there any Easter eggs that no one has ever discovered well, that you I'm, can talk about from old versions, I, old versions. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Pancake Day yeah. yeah and we've started joking about it now but something always happens on Pancake Day um <laughs> So there are there are pancake day Easter eggs in the game. Wow. So, so if you're playing the game, yeah, and it's pancake day in the game, and it's pancake day <laughs> in real life, the news items from match reports could change. So teams Whoa. teams are tossed aside, um, and there's basically various pancake day puns in there. So so I'm a big fan of that one. Um, I love the Christmas one as well where I, I don't know whether you still get an achievement for it but you used to get an achievement for playing FC Santa in a friendly <laughs> on Christmas Day in real life. Um, it, it's those little things that we have a lot of fun with and I'm pretty sure they've all been discovered but yeah there have been some good ones over the years. You've got some myths you wanted busting Michael. Over the years I'm sure you're aware of quite a few of these are things that you hear on uh, forums and discussed amongst friends so I just had a few that we wanted to get the definitive word on from Great. you. Um, Tom Madeira mm-hmm. the, the rumour was he was put into the game by a, a, like a Portuguese researcher and I think he was available for free or an ex-Portuguese researcher. Basically he was discovered and then the guy was fired because he was a friend of an ex-Portuguese assistant researcher. Right, wow. and basically he was rumbled and then didn't exist as a footballer. Yeah, wow. And never... a, bit, a bit like the uh, the story that you spoke, uh, George Weyer's cousin. <laughs> yeah, on, on the last podcast. he was a championship manager. Ali Dyer. He, <laughs> basically, yes. Wow, that's exactly Amazing. what he was. Because he, I got him once, and he scored over a hundred goals in one. Oh, season. Oh, the guy was a phenomenal was... player. <laughs> That's where Phenomenal the co- comparison ends. We have a loosely office 11-a-side team. We've got a bunch of five-a-side teams, but a team that was formed from the studio is yeah. called Tomadeira. <laughs> so, on that, so when you think about that, do you find that funny now? So much pain. Really? really? Everyone else in the office finds it. It's only me that cares, right? Yeah, Everyone really? else in the office thinks it's brilliant and hilarious. <laughs> I, I, I guarantee that Kieran, uh, our comms director is going to listen to this and come to me and go just say it's funny (laughs) Um, but yeah because I'd also heard that you like the company received phone calls from English clubs wanting to know more about this player I don't know whether we had calls from any English clubs we certainly had calls not about him but we had calls when a certain manager took over at Northern Ireland who maybe wasn't from Northern Ireland not giving any names away at all wanting to know one whether we knew of any players who had Northern Irish grandparents that he didn't know of and two was there anyone playing in the Northern Irish League that might be good enough to play for them (laughs) And we gave them names of three players and two of them were in the next squad. Wow! wow. We we gave him the details of our Northern Ireland researcher. He spoke to him, he spoke to Mark and and had a good chat. 
okay, and they, so they made it through. So, so yeah, as far as I know, no English clubs phoned. They certainly didn't phone me. Okay, so that's that's one true and one not true. The next one I heard is that two times Champions League winning Italian midfielder Dimitro Albertini is a researcher or was for a period a researcher for the not the a researcher but is a fan he's a fan uh, uh, so uh, that's he, a shame. he would have probably he wasn't a researcher in the true sense of the word but he would have given feedback to Albi who is head of research in Italy if he'd asked for it they were regularly talking right he um, wasn't sort of sat there beta testing <laughs> the we, game. We, yeah. we have certainly had professional footballers who were our scouts including one at a lower league club who was also the PFA rep and we had an agent get in touch with me and go how do you know exactly how much the player is on <laughs> you've got every player wage spot on <laughs> at this particular club and I just went back to him and went, look, next time, just lie a little bit. <laughs> because, because when it comes to wages, we're very clear that our wages in the game are guesstimated. Right? Yeah. Okay. Because we do not have every player's contract yeah. in the world. The Daily Star ran this thing of who owns the most in the Premier League and listed every club with every wage taken from the game. And I had a wow. call from a chief exec at a Premier League club saying, what are you doing? And I was like, what? And it's like, I've just had a player who has a match highest wage earner clause, come to me and say, why is this person we've just signed earning more than me? Oh, wow. I've got a matching clause. I'm going absolutely crazy about wow. it. So, wow. So what about, um, you hear rumours of managers finding out minimum release fee clauses from football manager and then putting in cheeky bids for players. If any data analyst is not using our game or buying data from us directly and they should buy data from us directly because we've got a lot more of it than you yeah. get in the game yeah. and the game when you start it some of the data is deliberately wrong until you scout the players etc etc um, if anyone isn't using it they're stupid because it's basically the best reference guide in football wow. um, and I, I know I know those yeah. are big words but it mm. used to be the Rothmans book which is still a great reference guide yeah. for what's happened in the past but we have more scouts than any football club out there and the people I'm so proud of our research team and they don't get nearly enough credit yeah. for for the stuff they, they do I mean a couple of the, the Monaco players had absolute stormers and there were footballers tweeting you know we learned about this player through the game and knew about him first and I, I retweeted it and then someone copied in one of the French researchers saying well you should be thanking that person for that and it's like, yeah, we have the best research team in the world. Yeah. I probably don't say yeah. it enough. Yeah. So yeah. I'm saying enough here. They're, they're incredible with, with the stuff that they do. So yeah, if clubs aren't using it, they're crazy because we know a lot of people and a lot of people give us a lot of information. <laughs> yeah. So many of our researchers now work in football. I mean, we've got yeah. two scouts at Champions League clubs that started off working with us and one of them still works with us now. Um, there are data analysts at loads of clubs. There are coaches there are a couple of guys who bought clubs off the back of oh, I've done this on the game do it in real life so bought, bought the club they've bought clubs yeah like a wow. couple of people who've been successful business people have decided yeah. I can and make how's it worked out for them none of them are in the league as yet <laughs> <laughs> you know like it's difficult for me to react to the, the opening thing that you said because yeah people do say that we've changed football and we probably have but it's bonkers for me to even think yeah. that that might have been a possibility yeah. certainly the amount of data that there is around now we did kind of 
Mm. Start that off. If Jesus yeah. Jones hadn't wanted a computer game, none of this would have you happened. It's so weird. <laughs> this is why, like, I I have absolutely no regrets in my life whatsoever because I've been so lucky to get mm. to do what I've done. That if any one thing had been different, yeah. I wouldn't be here now. There's yeah. an alternative I, universe where we're sitting here talking about Jesus Jones simulator. <laughs> it's been going for 25 years. Um, Have you got any more myths, Mike? <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Yeah. No, 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 okay. uh, yeah, my last one was, um, is there always sort of rumours before a new game is released about what the new features are going to be? And I know you talked about thousands and thousands that you've got in the bank, which you know will roll out eventually. But the favourite one I heard was that you, you once seriously considered having aliens come down in the game okay. so, and, so, and, and so, alien players having pace 30 well that's <laughs> that's that's because the alien players had three legs right? <laughs> um, there's, a, pancake, there's, right? a, there's <laughs> a difference between seriously considered right, and right. it being brought up by me in a feature meeting and <laughs> everyone swearing at me and me leaving the room but it was considered at one point yes and for some so reason so how would that activate so, well, 20, 30, 40 years into the future, there's an alien invasion. Yeah, and it turns <laughs> out that the, uh, the aliens become peaceful through football. Um, <laughs> and they just happen to be faster than everyone else. I did wonder, like Brexit, because you sort of worked that into the game, whether you guys knew something that we didn't. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the Brexit thing, bizarrely, because, yes, we did put Brexit into the game and put all the different scenarios in. And then it got reported in the press, and I found myself in Parliament presenting to MPs Did you? how we think Brexit's going to affect on football. I was on the Daily Politics <laughs> on the BBC. <laughs> We've got the best scouts on Article 50, but there is. <laughs> yeah. um, final few questions. Obviously, you've got an amazing scouting network. You must have picked the phone up to Watford and go, I've found this player. You've got to check him out. <laughs> there are a few clubs that we work with on a day-to-day oh, really? and we don't talk about who they are but I really like Philippe like Giraldi who's the chief scout at Watford and uh, we have very long conversations <laughs> about, about players um, they're mainly players that I've seen yeah. I, don't, I don't think I've ever turned around and said go and watch this 16 year old guy who someone saw playing in the Democratic Republic of Congo in a park um, <laughs> I will always watch them first but yeah why wouldn't I be yeah whether he listens or not is up to him but there's some pretty good players out there at the moment who aren't at big clubs at the moment and there's one in particular who I would love to see at Watford but I'm not going to say who it is on oh, air I just, I don't want to go, don't I'm, not, I'm not going to say on air yeah. just because other clubs might steam in um, <laughs> One last thing before we finish. As a player of the game, what are your greatest achievements? And and have you ever ended up, like Michael, getting a name printed on a shirt, putting on a suit, taking it all too seriously? I would never have done anything like that, apart from a few times. (laughs) (laughs) Press conference in the mirror. On Trampshot Manager 9798, you'd have two minutes of percent- the percentages going. Yeah. And that would give me time to play the press conference through in my mind. Yeah. yeah. You know, you've, you've got to do that. I mean, yeah. before press conferences came into the game, everyone did press conferences. Yeah. And now they're in the game, people ask their assistant to do them. <laughs> so. Yeah, don't face the press. My um, mate used to do press conferences on the toilet. You'd hear him talking to himself and he'd be answering like questions in his mind. 
What's the best? What's the best you've ever done at it? Seven trophies in a season with Watford. <laughs> really? What what version of Championship or Football Manager was that? Uh, I, I didn't manage it with 2016, so it must have been 15. I haven't done it on 17 yet. But getting those seven because you've got to get the World Club Championship as well as the Charity yeah, Shield. Yeah. You've basically you've basically got to win tournaments and cups that your board don't even care about <laughs> because you get to a stage where they're basically saying League Cup just get knocked out we don't care have you ever and this is a big question have you ever got a bad result and restart re uh, oh, gone back to a saved game ever ever ever, ever is a very long time <laughs> Um, and obviously you're you're an OBE in real life, but could you ever win enough tournaments or enough, you know win something for England and become a knight of the realm on the you game? You can get a statue. Yeah, that's pretty game. good. You can get a statue, but we don't have knighthoods in there because we'd probably get thrown in the tower <laughs> <laughs> if, if we had it. I, I think it's treason. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Miles Jacobson. OBE, absolute Thanks pleasure. For absolute me. pleasure. Oh, no, and thank you for all the joy you've given yes. to my life. And continue to give. Sorry about the quiz. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> okay, so that was Mars Jacobson, OBE. Josh, how about you? That was quite an honour for me. Yeah, I loved that. He was great, and he was a lovely. He was a lovely bloke. One week the person's not going to be nice, and we're going to still say this. But this week we mean it. <laughs> yeah, one of those rare games. Really. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Michael, I really enjoyed your MythBuster section. I thought. Yeah, that was good. Although, if we'd recorded that at a different time, we could have filed it under Stuart Ray. Please believe it or not. <laughs> uh, damn it. That is one. That is one of the things we're looking for. If you've got anything, Stuart Ray, please believe it or not. Any trivia that you've got that you're not sure about, anything that came up in the Miles Jacobson interview, particularly play-by-mail stories. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be a scam. I don't believe. I won the league. Well, here's the test. Did you buy Trevor Morley off me, 1993, <laughs> around March? I think we could hear from people that used to run play by mail. Oh yeah, mail. If you like, used to must, run a play by mail. If they're still alive, I mean, <laughs> what a way to go! They might <laughs> crushed by the weight of their own post pack. <laughs> um, so, if you've got anything on play by mail or anything we've talked about today, the email is, of course, hello, hello. at quicklykevin. Com. I just wanted to say, can we get Phil Thompson's uh, directory? We, we need, we've need we got one entry on it at the moment. Yeah. We've got more we want to we'll talk about next week, but yeah. keep them coming in because yeah, we are yeah. loving it. Did- that is footballers that um, have trades these days. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so next week, we have got Tom Crane, yes, comedian and comedian. friend of the show, talking The Impossible Job. The greatest programme made in the 90s, the documentary about Graham Taylor. If you have time, watch it before next week because we're going to be talking about it. We'll put the link on our website. Reviews. So reviews. So we're trying to turn our iTunes review page into a wonderful niche 90s playground. We're going to read out a few of them now. I'll tell you honestly... And our favourite one, we'll put the reference in next week's uh, uh, titles. I think I'll leave it to Michael to decide which one. We've had this review. I'll tell you honestly, you will love it if you download this podcast. Love it. And that's from John Aloisi. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We also had this review uh, from Rick Mark 11. Loved it. Chris, if you could bag it at King Eric, my life would be complete. Failing that, Jesper Blanc. Fest. Oh, he played uh-huh. in the 1999 final, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Unbelievable. Um, and we also had uh, Jim Lars said, I was higher than Brian Gunn's hairline after listening to this. <laughs> a joy and a pleasure. <laughs> that, if you feel like you can beat those yeah. reviews. Aloisio Gunn for me. Yeah. Aloisio Gunn. What's it going to be? 
as a fellow uh, follically challenged, I'm, <laughs> I'm going for gun. Guns in. Guns in, guns next, in week. next week. So to get involved, go on our iTunes, leave a review of a niche 90s footballer, and then they will feature in the opening titles in the following week. That's everything. Thank you very much. We're back next week with Tom Crane talking the impossible job with Graham Taylor. Um, that's it. That's it. Thank you to Miles. Thank you for everyone for listening and corresponding. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.